right, we are recording. And welcome to the first ever Humility and Arrogance podcast with your hosts, Will Verdon and What's Tony up? Beard. See, I just cut you off because this is the first time we've ever done this. So I think this demonstrates. I know, man. I, know, man. I think well, this hey, demonstrates I... that we fully know what we're doing here. I just want to know who's the arrogant one and who's the one that's humble. Well, people are just going to have to listen and find out. That's that's what you call like a cliffhanger. You know, people are going to keep coming back week after week or month after month or whatever we do here to find out who is the humble one, who's the arrogant one. I mean, I have my suspicions, but that's fair. That's fair. We we can let the audience decide. We should take a vote. Maybe after every every couple months, we'll take a vote to see what people say. Who who's the humble one? Who's the arrogant one? I think that that's a way, great way to solicit audience feedback. I'm all for that. Well, we should probably introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Will, you want to go first? Who are you? What what is it you do? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, sure, uh, Tony. I'll I'll humbly go first. I'll humbly go first. Um, uh, I'm Will, Will Verdon, and uh, I reside in, in York, PA, and I have a wonderful, beautiful family, amazing wife, Rebecca, and three great kids, Ellie, Anna, and Liam. Uh, probably the most interesting thing about me and my family is that both of my girls are born on the exact same day, two years apart, and my son is actually born on my birthday, and both girls uh, are born on my uh, mother-in-law's birthday, which I would assume, Tony, that would make me the most outstanding son-in-law, right? Because I gave my mother-in-law two granddaughters born on her birthday. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I, you know, I think your wife is uh, is the lucky one here. She has not to share a birthday with anyone. Everybody else has to share a cake. That's fair. I, I do think that was part of her plan all along was to make sure that she got her own birthday. Now, when your son was born on your birthday, did that mean your parents officially stopped celebrating your birthday? Oh, oh, for sure. For sure. I have I no longer have a birthday. In fact, my son took my name. He has the name William as myself uh, it, for the first couple of years of his life. So he, he took my name, he took my birthday and he took my wife for the first couple of years as well. So it, I no longer get a birthday since I have a son born on my birthday. Do people actually know whether or not you live in your home or, or are people just surprised to see you and, and wonder who, who you are? People always wonder, Tony, always okay. wonder who I am. All right. Well, so, what else? What, what is it? You, what, what is your ministry? What is it you have been called to do professionally? Yeah, man. So I am a pastor. Uh, I'm a pastor out at a church in Lancaster, Faith Bible Fellowship Church. Great, great ministry here. Great church family. Uh, a fantastic, fantastic church community. We are just so blessed. Uh, we have been seeing some um, growth from the Lord. We have been um, just continually blessed by just a fervent desire to hear the word of God preached. We are a church. We are a church family that loves the word, uh, that preaches the word unapologetically, and that holds fast to the word. And so if it was going to be one thing that would describe my ministry and our church here, it would be that we love the word and we love God's people. And uh, and, and it's just a great blessing to, to be ministering here. Um I know you're going to ask me next, what about my background education-wise? My education uh, is actually um, 
started at um, Lebanon Valley College. I went to school for uh, education and then went on to seminary, uh, Liberty uh, Theological Seminary, got Masters of Divinity, Masters of Counseling. And I'm currently pursuing, Tony, if you can believe it or not, a doctorate, a doctorate. I'm going to make you call me Dr. Verdon. I will do uh, no such thing under <laughs> any circumstances. Well, that's not very humble of you, Tony. Um, so <laughs> I just want to point that out. So I, I am pursuing doctorate for strategic leadership at uh, Regent University. I hopefully finish up in a, in a year or two. Uh, but I'm I ha I'm a pastor here. Like I said, I have my MDiv from Liberty, and uh, I've been here for about two and a half years now, Tony, uh, serving as a pastor discipleship. Uh, before that, I worked for a uh, a school uh, that helped with uh, helped students from poverty. I did some administration there for the past ten years. Yeah, one thing I don't want to overlook here is so you have been at your church for two and a half years. And tell us what happened the first time you were set to preach, because um, I believe, unless I'm mistaken, a uh, pandemic was released right before uh, you were to set preaching and, and no one was in congregation. Physically. Let me make this very clear. I was not the one that started the pandemic, Tony. I, <laughs> I just happened to start about the same time. No, no, no. That... no. I, I think you're mistaking me. I think your congregation to get out of listening to you preach for the first time uh, made up this excuse of a, I'm just joking. You know, I wouldn't blame them. I would not blame them, Tony. I wouldn't blame them. But and yeah, so the first time that I actually had the opportunity to preach in front of the congregation was uh, in front of nobody nobody uh i was just recorded and and i have to tell you i think scripture is very clear that we should not forsake the gathering together and there's just something that's special about having the opportunity to be together as brothers and sisters in christ and i longed for that and i think if you see my first couple of sermons when i preached and nobody was in the audience it's clear uh, that something was missing and that is that's the brethren brother that's that's what we do that's the importance of the church is to be together and gather together yeah and and you know i'm i'm you are a very gifted preacher um so i know people did not run out of the building or start a global pandemic to get out of hearing you preach you are a very gifted preacher um, well, well your kindness knows no bounds there tony <laughs> Uh, no bounds. Uh, last thing, brother, I, I just want to address, you know, again, I feel I'm really blessed to know you as a friend. We have been friends, what, going all the way back to high school. That's a yeah, long over, time, man. Yeah, over 20 years at this point. Over That's 20 crazy. years. Crazy. So I, I, I appreciate you putting up with me for the past <laughs> 20 some years of our life together. Well, I appreciate it. We lived in different states for a while, so it made it easier. But that helps. That <laughs> helps. Absence always makes the heart grow fonder, they say. Yes. So what about you, Tony? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What are you doing right now? Yeah. So uh, my name is Tony Beard. Yes, that is my real name. Yes, I actually have a beard. Ladies no. and gentlemen, I can affirm that he does have a beard. It is true. Uh, just to get this out of the way, that is not an example of irony. See, part of my background is teaching English, and someone with the last name Beard who has a beard is not 
an example of irony. Uh, so let's just get that out of the way. But anyways, so uh, I am also married. My wife is Angela, and we have uh, two kids, six years old and four years old. We live in Middletown, Pennsylvania. Uh, so anybody listening that's not our wives, uh, Middletown in York, uh, where we live about 40-ish minutes away from each other across the river. Um, yeah, so we've been back in this area for close to seven years. Grew hey, up so, in this so area. Real, real quick, Tony, I mean, tell me about how you met Angela and maybe who <laughs> helped orchestrate some of that. Yeah, we met through our friend Steph. <laughs> um uh well yeah so i see i see and so through a fourth of july party hosted by you uh i believe is how we met in that would be will verdon you're referring will, to will verdon in hershey pennsylvania you invited me out you invited others folks out uh angela knew our mutual friend steph um you all, a bunch of y'all went to Lebanon Valley College together, remained friends. Uh, so I was back in the area after finishing up grad school, uh, bored, didn't really have anything to do. You kindly invited me out to what I thought was just you, uh, Rebecca and me hanging out, uh, wound up being a whole bunch of people. And I was annoyed until I met my wife, Angela. Uh, so that was July 4th, 2011. And then we were married June 20. 20- well, so we just celebrated our 10th anniversary. So to the extent, to the extent that the Lord used you in uh, this matchmaking, thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. Well, we can all rejoice in the sovereignty of providence of God that he brought (laughs) both of you together. So we rejoice in that. And I'm just delighted that I could be a vessel in bringing you two together. Well, he uses crooked crooked sticks to draw straight lines, right? So thank you. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, we, so we live here in Middletown. We, uh, except we have two young kids. Uh, I am currently support raising to go into college ministry with an organization called Disciple Makers. Uh, I started support raising part-time last summer and have moved into full-time support raising this summer. Uh, prior to that, and while we were doing that part-time, uh, I've worked in colleges college administration, student affairs. So the last six and a half years until I resigned uh, about a month ago, I was at a local community college. And prior to that, at a state school here in Pennsylvania, in upstate Pennsylvania for about four years. Uh, And that's what I went to grad school for. I went to grad school at University of Delaware, got my master's of arts in counseling and higher education. Um, I absolutely felt a desire to care for college students, uh, to serve them. um, And ultimately what I've been doing for 10 years, there are times where I thought I was doing that, the last couple of years, not so much. So I started exploring other options other than working for colleges, which, I mean, this could be its own episode sometime, but um, God definitely used a unique path to bring me into college ministry. There's not many 38-year-olds jumping into college ministry. Uh, but before grad school, I taught English for a few years locally, uh, earned my Bachelor's of Arts in Education, or Bachelor of Science, rather, in Education from uh, Delaware Valley College in beautiful Doylestown, Pennsylvania, uh, known for its science and agricultural majors. So those of us who are English education, uh, we were few and far between, but uh, it was a great experience. We loved our time there, and certainly that's uh, my uh, 
beginning of my path to work with college students was my was my own experience at college. I had become a Christian just a couple of years before going to college. So certainly that was a very formational, uh, formational time in my life, formative time in my life. Um, so yeah, as you touched on, uh, you've been my best friend for just over 20 years. Went to high school together, have lots, a long list of shenanigans, often uh, involving Walmart when we were younger. Yeah, we're, we're not going to go into those, are we, during this podcast? <laughs> not today. Not, Not today. today. All right. All right. But um, I am I am grateful. We've been talking about doing this for I think almost two years now, uh, subjecting other people to our own thoughts and opinions. So uh, I think this is really this podcast is really truly honestly a gift to our wives, hmm. so they yeah. don't have yeah. to You're listen welcome. to us as You're much. Yeah. 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 That's so a that's great point. That's a great point. So that's who we yeah, are. So I think that brings us to the question, and I'm sorry, I think you're about to ask this. We're, we'll look, we'll iron out all this talking over each other as we go. But Will, why why are we starting a podcast? Why are we doing aside from saving our wives from having to listen to us talk about all this stuff constantly? Why are we starting a podcast? Well, I don't know how you would answer that. I'm doing this because you asked me to do it. That's fair. That's fair. So Tony, why are we doing this? Because, you know, I looked at the landscape of podcasts. I realized there weren't many out there. I realized there weren't re many people online talking about their opinions. And I'm like, you know, I think this is a medium where uh, folks who think they know what they're talking about could probably just jump on and uh, get started with this. Is that fair? We, cer we certainly know what we're talking about. So I think that's fair. <laughs> Uh, I know I know what I'm talking about if it's the 1993 Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, outside of that knowledge, it's a little more hit or miss. But hit or miss was that yeah, a baseball pun? That was. I'm glad you caught that. It's a gift. But no, I look. We we think we both um, we enjoy looking at the world through a biblical lens, looking at different issues, trying to be reasonable about things um, but also when things are going haywire in the world you know how do we address that through a biblical lens i think we also would like to see this be a part of a ministry so we talked about wanting to discuss books okay well what books are worth our times what books are distractions what are leading the church astray so i think taking a look and there's other folks who do this out there you know i'm not going to be so arrogant to think that we are the only ones who have a voice, that we have everything right. But I do think there's space, even in a very flooded podcast market, uh, for biblical analysis, um, discernment. Uh, no, certainly we're, we're not looking to become a discernment ministry, but how do we think through different issues, different topics biblically? Would you yeah, add anything to that? I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. That's very humble of you. Tony, no, that's very humble of you. And I think, I think we have uh, a unique perspective uh, being, you know, maybe middle-aged guys who's still trying to work things out with raising children and, and uh, being faithful fathers and, and faithful husbands, uh, but also the unique perspective that we have of being in ministry, me with pastoral ministry, you with uh, disciple makers and uh, mission work. And so I think, 
we do have a unique perspective to provide to people that might be able to be beneficial to people. I think at the end of the day, right, brother, we, we want to continue to encourage people in Christ. We want to continue to point people to Christ and we want help. We want to help people think biblically. We want help. We want to help people think through a biblical world view and start to be able to interpret how they see the world through a biblical lens, all within seeing Christ as king and preeminent over all things. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So, I mean, when it comes to stuff that we want to discuss, then, you know, we'll take a look at different topics in society, uh, whether that's cultural issues, uh, politics, church matters. Uh, we don't want to be a podcast that just goes around being like, oh, well, look at what this pastor is doing and how terrible that is. Right, right. However, we also know that some of the things that are happening within the church um, become very influential on the rest of the church. So how do we approach different topics and uh, whether it's worth our while to, to discuss certain things or to, you know, um, uh, follow certain trends? That would be a good part of what we do. Also mentioned a moment ago, book reviews. You and I love reading books. We both yeah. spend a lot of time. Uh, so again, books we love, uh, books we hate, maybe influential books. So, well, I think this is a good chance. What What are a couple either uh, books that you particularly love or been influential or are reading right now, or maybe books that you've seen lead the church astray, just or, or writers that you tend to flock to? Yeah, well, the number one book I like to read there, Tony, is the Bible, of course. And I like to read books about the Bible. Uh, but most importantly, I think that a well-rounded Christian, first and foremost, should be in the Word, right? I, I just want to make that clear. I think mm -hmm. sometimes we as Christians can read books about the Bible, uh, inspirational books, books that are, are really, you know, have has some helpful material, but we need to be people of the book. And so I, I just want to stress that first and foremost, we're going to talk about some great books, but uh, most importantly, we should be in the book itself, not reading about books. Uh, but with that said, I think there's there's a lot of great books. Um, uh, I've, of course, I just read um, uh, The Modern Self. Um, mm. that, that was that was really good. Um, I'm, I'm actually uh, reading a couple books right now. I'm preaching through Job, through the book of Job. And, and so I picked up a couple books about suffering. One of those books specifically is A Place for Weakness uh, by Michael Horton. Great book. Great book. If you're going through times of suffering, I highly recommend this book, A Place for Weakness. It, it really helps to provide some clarity, some perspective, uh, and ultimately comes down to understanding that God uh, is not absent in our suffering. In fact, he's very active in our suffering and that God is still sovereign over our suffering. So uh, that's a great book. Another book uh, is called God's Grace in Our Suffering. Uh, and it's, again, just a great, great book on uh, lamenting through our suffering. Look, Job knew how to lament. The psalmist knew how to lament. We have often forgotten how to lament. And so I think that this is just a great book to remind us that we have Christians lament, and, and that can be even a form of worship to God, is bringing our laments before God. And so uh, great, great books. Those are the two books that I'm really working through, working through right now. That second one, The Grace um, Through Suffering, is that the David Pallison book? 
That's or, right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, your first comment about uh, making sure uh, prioritizing scripture, uh, that's the that's a Spurgeon quote, right? Where we visit many good books, but we live in the Bible. Amen. So Amen. I think um, I've been in Revelation lately. <laughs> Our, uh, it wasn't my idea, but our um, young adults class at our Sunday school class at church, uh, we have been studying Revelation. So I've been learning a lot. I, it's one of those books where I think church uh, Christians can go astray very easily um, when we start being too too confident in our interpretation of a book of the Bible that probably has several possible options when it comes to things you know um uh, are, are millennialists pre-millennialists post I, we are all brothers and sisters in christ so we can have disagreements and it's important to think through those issues for sure but at the end of the day if we start uh doing anything more than just some good humored joking and jesting with friends about how we think the end times shake out i think we can um you know get into unnecessary arguments i think what we need to know when it comes to Revelation and certainly looking through Daniel and elsewhere when we're trying to figure out eschatology, we need to understand that as um, as dedicated followers to Christ, you know, our, our salvation is secure. Um, Jesus is coming back. And if you're apart from Christ, it, it's not going to be good. You know, I think we can <laughs> have fun debates about details outside of that, but as long as we stand on those core truths, um, we're in good shape. So as far as Bible goes, primarily spending my time in Revelation lately. Uh, some of the books I'm reading now, I am reading The Brothers Karamazov. I pick a classic work of fiction each year to make sure I read, and that was chosen for this year. It's 900 pages. I'm about 200 into it, but uh, I got, what, five and a half months to go. So Hey, man, I'm just that. impressed you can pronounce it. <laughs> Uh, well, there's lots of names I can't, but Karamazov, I can. Uh, that one just rolls off the tongue. Also, reading a classic work by John Piper, "Let the Nations Be Glad," uh, through disciple makers. There's lots of recommended readings, and some that new staff are required to read. Uh, so this was on that list. Um, certainly, I, think oh, I love that. I love yeah. that book. I, I love the premise that missions exist because worship does not. Yeah, it great. really, really sets up the whole point of doing missions work for sure. And then uh, also usually read something either history or politics related. I'm reading a book called Why Liberalism Failed. Right now it's written by uh, Patrick Deneen, who is a professor of uh, political science at Notre Dame. And uh, it's a very interesting book. Uh, I disagree with a lot because my political views are very classical liberalism, such as John Locke. And he spends quite a bit of time uh, um, disagreeing with Locke and classical liberalism. And I think he gets it wrong, but it's still a fascinating book. And I think he has a lot of good points. So those are those are some things I'm reading right now. And like I said, I think what we'll be doing over time is just with taking a book uh, that we've either you know, we read together or have read in the past. You know, I would love to discuss a book like Christianity and Liberalism with you. That one was very influential on me a few years ago, um, but taking classic works or taking books that maybe um, have been negatively influential in the church. You know, I can think of books like um, 
what was the one I sent you a picture of recently, the circle maker, uh, which overemphasizes the idea of, you know, uh, how we can get what we're praying for. You know, I think it, it's one of those books where there's might be a good idea, such as if we want to circle something that we want to pray for. Well, you know, that maybe that helps direct our thoughts, but expecting, you know, that printout version of, OK, well, I did this input to God, so then he's going to output what I want. And yeah. I think that's a mistake. And then other books like Rob Bell or Joe Osteen or Benny Hinn, all those books I pick up used for a buck. <laughs> so I get them off the shelf so no one else reads them and then I can study them. I just need to get one of those stamps. You know, there's a I want a stamp that says heresy that I can just mm. open it up and just stamp heresy so no one gets any misconceptions if they see my books. Yeah, I mean, I keep those in a burn bag just in case. <laughs> No, that's good. That's good. Uh, I think it's important to be able to uh, talk about through some of these books and some of these issues and make it clear uh, as we an analyze these books where they go astray. Because some of those books, you and I could acknowledge that there are some truths in that, right? There, there are some things, but the problem is um, there can be a lot of heresy that's mixed up in that can, that can lead you astray very, very quickly. And so I think I think that's a great point uh, as we review these books is to be able to identify where those heresies are, where they go off the rails. I'm, I just want to make it very clear that I am looking forward to using this podcast as an opportunity to tell a plethora of my, my dad jokes. Um, Tony, that, that was part of the deal, right? I thought we wrote into your contract that uh, you would get one per episode. Well, well, let me, let me, let me lay it down now. Okay. Get, let me give you let, let me give you my dad joke of the day. Uh, Tony, do you know what kind of lights Noah had on the ark? Tony, no. they were floodlights, floodlights. In case anybody's wondering, that silence there wasn't a mistake. <laughs> gotta explain I'm those things on, in an audio. Okay, I'll bring I'll bring you a better one next time. I got I'll get, <laughs> I'll get you next time. You know, I've been waiting for you to bring me a better joke for the better part of 20 years. <laughs> but I, I, I see the time. You know, we want to be a podcast that you know, limits. We don't want to go and talk too much just for the sake of talking. So, um, no, we also want to interview with folks on different topics. I think you and I both have had the joy of meeting different people, doing amazing different things for the kingdom of God. So topics such as bivocational ministry. Uh, children's ministry, missions, taking gap years. I think we know folks in unique ministries. I have friends who do ministry through agriculture, um, church planning, raising children with special needs. I think there's lots of folks that we know who have no platforms, who have not written books, who do not have podcasts, who are not uh, in a prominent organization, but are just doing the hard work of living their life faithfully and serving where they've been called. And I think we all can learn from those individuals. You don't have to be famous to be, you know, uh, insightful and smart and, and to be influential. I think we're so, examples of that, Tony. You are. I'm working on it. That's another point for uh, humility for me. Anyways, moving on. So today, today we wanted to talk about Christian cliches. And I think... Uh, we, we had a few we were looking at. I think we should uh, I think we should just take a look at two today. I think, you know, we we've been talking here a little bit about what we want to do. and I think it's been good. Uh, we can revisit all sorts of cliches another time. But why don't you 
pick from our list there, which one would you like to talk about first? Yeah, Tony. Well, I think the one that jumps out at me is when God closes a door, he opens a window, right? I think we hear that a lot. Um, when God closes a door, you know, don't worry, because that just means that he's opening a window, right? How would you, how would you respond to that, Tony? <laughs> I would say that any sort of definitive statement about what God will or will not do, we're going to have to be a little bit careful and you're going to have to come at me with some scripture to back that up. So closing a door, I, I've experienced that many times that nope, this isn't happening. And uh, I didn't look around and see a window open. How about you? Yeah, I would, I would say the same, Tony. I, I would say the same. Look, I think when we make that kind of cliche statement, what we're saying is that, um, you know, it's the will of the, the Lord to close a window uh, or to close a door and to, op and to open a window. And so you just have to look for this window, right? And so then the emphasis is placed on you. I have to do the work of looking for this window. Well, look, we know that God is sovereign, right? We know that he is preeminent over all things. He sustains all things, Colossians chapter one. Uh, and so we need to be reminded over and over again that it's not about us. First of all, it's not about us. And second of all, you know, how are we living a life that's abiding in Christ, First John, right? And so if God closes a door, um, first of all, um, it's, it's, um, it's hard for us, right? There's a mystery behind that. We don't always know why doors close and doors open. But we know that at the end of the day, the Lord is sovereign. And I, I always go back to Matthew 6, 33 and 34. Look, when a door closes and you feel like this is a door of opportunity, uh, a door of provision, you know, I think uh, this is often used for people that lose a job or, you know, get denied receiving a job. Um, and so they feel like they've lost an opportunity. Look, brother, I think I think Matthew 6, verses 33 and 34 is just very clear. This is Jesus talking, and he's saying, look, seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be given to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so I think when we try to look for this window, it's we're trying to push our agenda instead of first submitting to, to the Lord. If, without first submitting to God, by seeking him, by abiding in him, and just trying to push our agenda by looking for this window, looking for these other opportunities. Look, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be pursuing um, opportunities. But what it does mean is that we shouldn't just be presuming upon God that he closed the door and now he's going to provide you a window. What he's created for, what, what we're created for is to worship and glorify him with our lives. And so that is what we're doing with, with our lives. And that's what we should be pursuing, pursuing is that relationship with God through Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yeah, that's good. I think when it comes to, to that kind of phrase, um, yeah, I, I, I have a trouble. I have hard time getting over a view of God that term turns in, into what is sometimes called like that cosmic slot machine. Mm, yeah. OK, God has closed the door. Therefore, he owes me a window. Well, you know, maybe sometimes doors have been slammed in our faces because we're pursuing sin. 
<laughs> he's not going to open up a, a window into uh, uh, into that sin. And I think the idea of the sovereignty of God and trusting him that you know, sometimes there will be doors closed, sometimes there will be doors open. Sometimes windows will close and sometimes windows will open. And if we think we can understand the mind of God uh, in, in when those things happen, I think we are sorely mistaken. Yeah, great point. Great point, Tony. Well, what about you? What's a what's a Christian cliche that you've often heard and that you want to address? Yeah, I want to talk about uh, hate the sin, love the sinner. I want to start off by asking you two yes or no questions. Well, question number one. Are we to love sinners? Well, considering that we're all sinners, uh, every one of us, uh, then yes, we are commanded to love one another. That's a, a, a consistent uh, command that we see throughout the word of God, that we are called to love one another. Okay, so at face value, yes, we are to love sinners. Let's not get mm-hmm. into what that might look like or not, but we are to love sinners. Uh, what about sin? Are we to hate sin? We are to crucify sin, actually, we would read. But we are to put to death sin. Okay. So I would make an argument that the phrase itself, love the sinner, hate the sin, is theologically correct. And I think we could even see this in something like uh, Jude, what I have here, Jude 1, verses 22 through 23, and have mercy on those who doubt, save others by snatching them out of the fire, to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So I think we can derive from that. Yeah, we, we were supposed to save others, we're supposed to love others, but the sin we are supposed to um, hate. Uh, but while I would argue that this is a theologically accurate statement within the church, I think it's a very unhelpful argument outside the church. So when we are, and this something like this comes up, I think in our lives through the past you know, 15, 20 years or so, it comes up most often around the idea of sexuality, right? So a lot of times Christians will try to say, well, you know, I'm to love the sinner and hate the sin about individuals who are gay and the idea that we hate your sin, but we love you and think there's truth there, but people who are enemies of God, people who are not Christians, so folks who are unbelievers, and I can think of my former life as well prior to being a Christian, I often found my identity in my sin. Good point. So if we are telling somebody who, who is not a Christian, that we love them and hate their sin, yet they're identifying with their sin. No matter how theologically correct it is, if we're trying to serve that person by showing them Christ, that statement to them is going to be unhelpful. You know, it's going to be it's going to be another stumbling block for somebody who already uh, has no interest in Christ that that doesn't want to hear what we may have to say. So. While I think love the sinner, hate the sin is theologically accurate, and I think we as Christians can sometimes maybe even use it as shorthand 
in our own conversations. As we go uh, out to evangelize, to show other people Christ, I don't think that phrase is a good one to use. You know, in some ways, I would compare it to, you know, trying to explain someone the Trinity before even telling them who Jesus Christ was. Like if they don't know uh, the the work on the cross or uh, their need for a savior, you're not going to jump right into talking about, um, you know, divine simplicity. It's just, it's, that's not where you're going to jump to. But anyways, uh, your thoughts on that phrase or anything that I had said. Yeah, I think, I think that's a great, great point, Tony. Great point. I think, first of all, it's not very loving to not tell somebody about their sin if they're not a believer, mm-hmm. right? The, the worst thing that we can do, the, the least loving thing that we can do is not to present the entirety of scripture. And scripture starts with that we're created in the image of God and we're created to have a relationship with God. And, and we have been severed. That relationship has been severed because of sin. And so if we don't address that sin issue in the life of somebody that doesn't believe in Christ as their Lord and Savior, then we're doing them a disservice. And so we do need to address the sin in their life. But also to to the Christian, I think it's helpful to say uh, to the Christian, as we read in Romans chapter six, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. And so, I, yeah, I, th- I agree with you, brother. I think that's a great, a great point. I think it is unhelpful to use that uh, in, you know, in a context that is outside of the church. That's good. So anyways, that's just a couple cliches. And if anybody is out there listening to us and, and we'll start figuring out things like social media and contact information and all that. But if there's anybody listening who has any other cliches that they'd like to hear discussed or things that they think are unhelpful or unbiblical, no, we'd love to get those suggestions and uh, talk on them a bit. So now, as we start to wrap up here on our first ever Humility and Arrogance podcast, what are some of the things you're looking forward to this summer? Well, what are some, some things you got going on that you might want to talk about, that you're excited about, that you might want to share with folks? Well, brother, I got a stack of books that I'm trying to work through this summer. So I'm looking forward to bringing some of those books to uh, this conversation, uh, to going through some of these books and and hopefully finding some resources that might be beneficial to some of the listeners, if there's any listeners. Well, like I guess that I think our wives will listen. Um, we'll, we'll have to expand the audience from there. What about you, brother? What are, what are some things you're looking forward to? I mean, as far as the podcast goes, I'm I'm happy to make you sit down and have a conversation with me. I'm just knowing that I get to talk to you however frequently, uh, that's going to be my favorite part of it. And I look forward to having arguments with you at some point, because I, I would love to talk about your uh, uh, cage stage Calvinism at some point. But uh, I think somehow I skipped the cage stage, uh, but I experienced yours with you, so... Well, I'm just I'm just so excited that you finally have have come to the light, brother. I'm just excited about that. Fair enough. Personally, I'm looking forward to we are going to Nashville in a couple of weeks, Angela and me. 
Oh, that's uh, right. To start your uh, country music career, right? Uh, well, we'll see. I broke a string on my guitar um, and I can't sing. So we're going to have to find a really good producer. But uh, no, it's our 10 year anniversary trip that we wanted to take. Uh, celebrate 10 years just about a month ago. And this is where we decide we wanted to get away for a little while. And later on, we'll take the kids down to the beach. Uh, all four of us then will get away. But we're looking forward, Angela and me, just her and me get away. Uh, love the kids, but I think it's good for a marriage to be able to um, leave the kids with grandma and grandpa or aunt and uncle or uh, some responsible babysitter for a little while and make sure you're uh, giving attention to your marriage. So uh, we've got we've gotten away infrequently over the years. Got away to West Virginia one time. I think we had another trip uh, upstate once, but it's been a little little while since she and I be able to have a whole weekend uh, to ourselves. Well, don't forget your cowboy hat and cowboy boots there, Tony. I heard it's like 98 in Nashville or something, so I'm going to just wear shorts and a T-shirt. That's hot. That's hot. Me in a shortened T-shirt or 98 degrees? 98 degrees. Okay. 98 degrees. Don't don't have your mind wander, brother. (laughs) Well, we're about uh, 20 minutes over for our first uh, podcast. So I assure you, right, we're not going to be talking this long for future podcasts. (laughs) Well, I guess we'll see what happens. But (laughs) I am not surprised we went long on this. But uh, I am grateful that we get to do this. I'm happy to be able to do this with you. And I look forward to our next episode whenever it is. But this is episode 001. And I guess we'll just call it the pilot episode. Because here we are. This is uh, this is us doing it, huh? And we're going to see it take off, right, brother? Exactly. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, good talking to you, those listeners. Thanks for listening. We'll come up with some fancy uh, closing line in the future. But thanks for your time. God bless.